All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada Nama Om Vishnu Padaya. Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pacharani Nivasesis and Nivani Paskatyade Satarani. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamstra Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Sam Sajivan Sadvaitam Sadvrutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamstra Vanchakapati Vishaki Pitsandavia Vitapati Chanam Pavane Vil Vaishnavamaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya It's March 10th, 2021 in Hawaii over the internet and we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 24. Chanting the song sung by Lord Shiva, text 67. Kastwat Padabjam Vijahati Pandito. Yaste Manana Vyavamana Ketana. The Shankayasma Guru Archatis Mayad. The Shankayasma Guru Archatis Mayad. Vino Papati Manavashtur Dasa. Vino Papati Manavashtur Dasa. Please chant. Kaha. Kaha. Who? Twat. Your. Pada Abjam Lotus Feet Vijahati Avoids Panditaha Learned Yaha Who Te Unto you Avamana, deriding, Vyavyamana, decreasing, Ketanaha, this body, Vishankaya, 
Without any doubt. Asmat. Our. Guruhu. Spiritual Master Father. Architi. Worships. Sma. In the past. Yet. That. Vina. Without. Upapatim. Agitation. Manavaha. The Manus. Chatu Dasha. Fourteen. Shula Prabhupada's translation. My dear Lord, any learned person knows that unless he worships you, his entire life is spoiled. Knowing this, how could he give up worshipping your lotus feet? Even our father and spiritual master, Lord Brahma, unhesitatingly worshipped you, and the fourteen Manus followed in his footsteps. Shula Prabhupada's purport. The word Pandit means a wise man. Who is actually a wise man? The wise man is described in Bhagavad Gita 7.19 in this way. Bahunam janmanam mante gyanamamam prapadjate vasudeva sarvamiti sa mahatma labaha. After many births and deaths, he who is actually in knowledge surrenders unto me, knowing me to be the cause of all causes and all that is. Such a great soul is very rare. Thus, when the wise man actually becomes wise after many births and whimsical attempts at self-realization, he surrenders under the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. Such a Mahatma or learned person knows that Krishna, Vasudeva, is everything, Vasudeva Sarvamiti. Learned persons always think that life is wasted unless they worship Krishna or become his devotee. Srila Goswami also says that when one becomes an advanced devotee, he understands that he should be reserved and perseverant, shantihi, and that he should engage in the service of the Lord and not waste time, avyartakalatvam. He should also be detached from all material attraction, virakriti, and he should not long for any material respect in return for his activities, manasunyata. He should be certain that Krishna will bestow his mercy upon him, ashabandha, and he should always be very eager to serve the Lord faithfully. Samutkanta. The wise man is always very eager to glorify the Lord by chanting and hearing Nama Gane Sada Ruchihi. And he is always eager to describe the transcendental qualities of the Lord. Ashakti Stad Gunak Yane. He should also be attracted to those places where Lord Krishna had his pastimes. These are symptoms of an advanced devotee. An advanced devotee, or a perfect human being, who is actually wise and learned, cannot give up his activities at the lotus feet of the Lord. Although Lord Brahma has a long lifespan, 4,322,000,000 years constitute 12 hours in a day of Brahma, Brahma is afraid of death and consequently engages in the devotional service of the Lord. Similarly, all the Manus who appear and disappear during the day of Brahma are also engaged in the Lord's devotional service. In Brahma's one day, 14 Manus appear and disappear. The first Manu is Swayambhuva Manu. 
Each Manu lives for 71 yugas, each consisting of some 4,320,000 years. Although the Manus have such a long lifespan, they still prepare for the next life by engaging in the devotional service of the Lord. In this age, human beings live, only live for 60 or 80 years, and even this small lifespan is gradually decreasing. Therefore, it is even more imperative for human beings to take to the worship of the lotus feet of the Lord by constantly chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, as recommended by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Trinata, Peace, Sunichena, Tarur, Api, Sahishnuna, Amanina, Manadena, Kirtaniya, Sada, Hari. When one is engaged in devotional service, he is often surrounded by envious people, and often many enemies come to try to defeat him or stop him. This is not new in the present age, for even in the days of your Prahlad Maharaj, who was engaged in the devotional service of the Lord, was harassed by his demoniac father, Hiranyakashipu. The atheists are always prepared to harass a devotee. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu suggested that one be very tolerant of these people. Nonetheless, one has to continue chanting the Hare Krishna mantra and preaching the chanting of this mantra, because such preaching and chanting constitute the perfection of life. One should chant and preach about the urgency of making this life perfect in all respects. One should just engage, thus engage in the devotional service of the Lord and follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas, beginning with Lord Brahma and others. Kastvat padabja vijahati pandito yaste vamana vyavamana ketana vishankayasma gur archatismayat my dear Lord, any learned person knows that unless he worships you, his entire life is spoiled. Knowing this, how could he give up worshipping your lotus feet? Even our father and spiritual master, Lord Brahma, unhesitatingly worshipped you, and the fourteen manus followed in his footsteps. So we have, as Prabhupada says here, a very short life. One of the things... I've noticed is that once somebody hits 60, if they die, nobody is surprised. Uh, below 60, they're surprised. Over 60, not surprised. As Prabhupada says in the purport, a lifespan of 60 to 80 years, and even that is decreasing. And in this short life, we are supposed to worship the Lord when constantly, kirtaniya sadahari, always to worship the Lord. That's really the only purpose of this life. I mean, we have to spend uh, so much time in the care of this body. Uh, we provide this body with a shelter against the elements, against insects and dogs and diseases and so many things. And just maintaining a shelter, even if it's a very small and humble one, requires a tremendous amount of time and effort. And we have to feed this body. That also requires a tremendous amount of time and effort Either we're growing our own food, uh, which is a lot of work, or we're earning the money for someone else to grow food and so forth. That's a lot of work, cooking the food, uh, maintaining a kitchen, uh, you know, cleaning up after the food, uh, all that, and then cleansing the body and cleansing the clothes of the body and storing the clothes of the body and, and all, you know, just taking care of all that. Sleeping, of course, uh, so many hours a day we're spending in sleeping. So just taking care of the body requires a tremendous amount of time and effort and energy. And then, of course, uh, being social animals, we also require a lot of time and energy.
to take care of our social connections, our family, our friends, our community, and so forth. We put a lot of energy into that. And uh, if those are not connected with the Lord, we don't have much time left, really. You know, there has to be some recreation. We have to get exercise. <laughs> um, eating, sleeping, working, and recreation. And uh, there's, not, there's not much time left, as Pallad Morris was saying. You know, you're spending, uh, you know, a third of your life sleeping. And how much time is left in a, in a day? People are finding it difficult uh, to sit down and, and chant for a couple hours. So we're, we have very, very little time. And therefore, we should have all of our time, even our body maintenance time, our social maintenance time, our house maintenance time. Everything should be an offering to the Lord. Everything should be a prayer to the Lord. Everything that we do. Yad Kiroshi, Yad Ignashi, Yad Tehoshi, Das, Yad Yad Tepasya, Yad Tashkaru, Everything that we do should be connected to the Lord. But that is only possible if we have good qualities. I mean, it's just... Mahaprabhu saying, Kirtaniya Sadat always call out to the Lord. But we can't do that if we don't have good qualities because then we're too disturbed. Prabhupada's giving the example that there will be demons that will bother us. It will only be demons that will bother us. The other devotees will also bother us. <laughs> you know, everything will bother us. There's so many things that will bother us. Envious people. Envious people can also be the other people who are chanting Hare Krishna can also be envious. And, you know, the, the body's going to bother us with diseases. The mind's going to bother us with anxieties. Uh, the, the mind is really expert at creating diversions from our spiritual life. Uh, the mind is always making up stories about uh, why something happened and what may happen in the future and what may happen in the past and uh, so many reasons why we can't just call out to the Lord. And then we're saying other living entities, envious people, uh, whether they're also chanting Hare Krishna people or whether they're out-and-out materialistic people or uh, government or whatever. There's so many people and then other living entities and mosquitoes and flies and cockroaches and so many, right? And then there's problems with the weather and it rains too much and it rains too little and it's too hot and it's too cold and it floods and it this and that. And uh, so we have, unless we have good qualities, uh, we, we can't call out to the Lord all the time. We can barely uh, take a little piece of our day, uh, barely, barely, barely are we capable of, you know, of carving out a little bit of our day to call out to the Lord, what to speak of, to be absorbed constantly. But if we do, if we are absorbed constantly, it's our perfection, and we will achieve great happiness and peace in this life uh, while we're in this body. We'll have everything that we desire because the most intelligent, the most long-lived, the most qualified people, as Lord Shiva is saying, they do that. They are constantly engaged in the service of the Lord. They consider any moment not engaged in the service of the Lord to be a great problem. So let's look at some of these good qualities here. We should understand that without developing these good qualities, we cannot always worship the Lord. And it's our worship of the Lord that develops these good qualities. Because someone's going to ask, well, what comes first? And they go together. Uh, They go together. So let's look at these qualities that Srila Prabhupada is referring to. 
uh, from Rupa Goswami. So, of course, he's quoting um, Amadya 23, 18-19. And somehow, I don't know why. Usually, if I click there, I will go there. But somehow, I'm not going there. All right. Krishna doesn't want me to go there. So, let's just go through these. Reserved and perseverant. Shantihi. This is peaceful. means peaceful. Uh, that one is very peaceful. That means that one can be peaceful in all situations. This is, of course, uh, something I talk about quite a lot, this freedom from attachment and aversion. So when different thoughts, desires, feelings enter into the body and mind, one neither tries to grab them nor does one try to push them away. One simply observes them. Like the rivers going into the ocean, the the ocean doesn't try to stop the rivers going in, uh, and nor does the ocean become agitated when the rivers go in. It just simply absorbs them. Uh, so these different things in life to be very, very peaceful. And there is a relationship also with the word forgiving, to be very forgiving, to be very compassionate. And that means to be forgiving of others and to be forgiving of oneself as well. So unless one practices this discipline of being uh, perseverant and reserved, of not reacting to the material circumstances. Again, neither getting into them nor hating them. One who does not hate illumination, attachment, and delusion when they appear, nor long for them when they disappear, knowing that the modes alone are active. The not wasting time of yartar kalatwam, not wasting any time. So this is a very interesting uh, one, not wasting any time. We see that uh, devotees sometimes try to imitate this. I heard a devotee the other day saying that we should, you know, be always on. <laughs> we should always be on fire. <laughs> and I thought, eh, you're always on fire. You're going to burn out. You're going to be a shooting star. You're going to be, ah, I'm on fire for this, and I'm on fire for that. And it's really going to become Rajagoon uh, uh, to, uh, to have this mood. You know, I, I can't waste any time. I can't always have to be busy, 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 busy. Whereas we see Srila Prabhupada, although he didn't waste any time, uh, he would take uh, time out for different types of activities. Like Srila Prabhupada would sit down with a harmonium and Prabhupada would, would be uh, singing bhajans by himself. <laughs> uh, by himself. Uh, one time he didn't translate for a while and the devotees asked Prabhupada, is there a problem? And Prabhupada said that in every activity there's periods of activity and there's periods of rest. There's a, a book I read within the last year called The Power of Full Engagement which explains that everything has like that. Everything has an ebb and flow. And if you don't uh, recoup your energy, whether it's physical energy, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, uh, you can't go on. You can't, just, you can't just be relaxed all the time and you can't just be pushing all the time. That, uh, the energy comes in, in waves and one has to know how to give and to recoup and give and to recoup and if you do it properly then you'll gradually increase the amount of output that you have so this not wasting time doesn't mean that we push ourselves to the point of burnout and exhaustion that's not what it means uh, and we find you know devotees who do that uh, they they can't maintain right they can't stay they can't maintain after some time they go away they just they become exhausted they become depleted so that's, again, that's not what it means. 
but it means that everything that we do, we connect with Krishna. We don't have anything that's not connected with Krishna. Uh, whether it's our, our hobbies, our recreation. My granddaughter was talking to me about growing a garden. I was thinking of the 10 years that I had a garden. So I was a Gurukul teacher, and then I would work in the garden. <laughs> and it was most of the year something had to do with the garden. I mean, I was a few months a year, you know, but, but most of the year I was researching what seeds I wanted to get. I was planting the seeds in like January, February in the house, and then preparing the soil, and then transplanting the little plants, and, and weeding, and fertilizing, and, and harvesting, and, and then preserving for the winter. And it was, it was a, a change from, you know, teaching Bhagavad Gita <laughs> and teaching mathematics. Uh, but it was also Krishna service. So to have this variety of activities in Krishna service that keeps us engaged and that whatever we're doing to connect it with Krishna. Then he should also be detached from all material attraction, virakti. So again, this is very much like the reserved and perseverance. That... Uh, one is interested in Krishna, one is absorbed in Krishna. And being absorbed in Krishna, one is not very interested in things that are inferior. One is not very interested in Krishna's energy that is separate from Krishna. And in fact, it loses all of its glimmer. What does Krishna say? That everything is beautiful and opulent in this world. If we take the whole universe together and we put together everything in the universe that is beautiful and opulent. And we think in this planet, some gorgeous thing, you know, some mountain by a clear lake, and, you know, in the moonlight and the stars, and the moonlight is twinkling on the clear lake like little bits of diamonds, and, you know, there's whatever, (laughs) some beautiful creatures and uh, peacocks by the lake or whatever, swans resting by the lake. And then we increase that to the heavenly planets. It's interesting, I just finished the story of Gajendra. And Krishna is suggesting that one meditate on that pastime with all the details of the place in this higher planet. To meditate on the mountain, the, the lake, the flowers, the birds, everything, all the details of the place. And so those places are thousands of times more beautiful than our beautiful mountains and lakes and swans and whatever. And then up to the planet of Lord Brahma, even more so. But all of that together is just a spark of how attractive Krishna is. So when we're really connected with Krishna, we're not, we're not interested in just his separated energy. Right? Uh, these are separated this earth, water, fire, ether we see Krishna in them we are attracted to the fact that Krishna is there but we're not attracted to these things on their own, we don't want to enjoy them now this next one he should also not be um, he should also not long for any material respect in return for his activities mana shunyata mana is respect shunyata, zero so having zero interest in respect. I was thinking about the story of Madhavrindapuri. So as Madhavrindapuri was traveling to get sandalwood and camphor for his deity, uh, he stopped in Remuna. And in Remuna he heard that they would offer extraordinary kheer, extraordinary sweet rice to the deities. 
And he thought, oh, wow, I'd like to learn how to offer that so I could offer that to Gopal. And as they were making the offering to the deity there, uh, he started thinking, you know, maybe if they give me some of the prasad and I taste it, I'd be able to tell. He must have been an expert cook. I'd be able to tell some of the ingredients and the texture and like that, and, and I could copy it. And I thought, oh, I'm thinking of this before the Lord is eaten. I'm thinking of eating before the Lord is eaten. I'm an offender. And he immediately left, and he went in the, in the market, the empty marketplace at night, and he was just resting there. So then, the, you know, Pujari puts the Lord to bed. He collects all the pots of sweet rice, and he goes to bed. And in his dream, the deity comes to him and said, you forgot a pot. I, was, I hid it under my cloth, and that pot is from Adivindapuri. So the Pujari wakes up, and he's more than a little surprised. So he gets up, he takes a bath, puts on clean clothes, and he goes on the altar. You know, normally don't go on the altar at night when the deities are sleeping. And he looks behind the cloth, and sure enough, there is this pot of sweet rice, and the Pujari is in ecstasy. Actually, Prabhupada says, Madhavindapurya and the Pujari were on the same level. Krishna was dealing with each of them personally, so this Pujari is in ecstasy. And he doesn't know, you know, who is this Madhavindapuri? He doesn't know, so he's just kind of going through the empty town in the middle of the night. Uh, will the most fortunate Madhavindapuri come out? Will the most fortunate Madhavindapuri come out? Uh, like that. And uh, Madhavindapuri eventually hears him, and he comes out, and, you know, what is it? What is it? Why are you, why are you waking me up uh, like that? Why are you waking me up? And he says, uh, the deity has stolen the sweet rice for you. So Madhavindapuri is just overwhelmed, you know, he just he doesn't know what to say, what to think. And he's just eating this sweet rice in ecstasy, and then he keeps it. It was a clay pot, an unbaked clay pot. And so he broke the pot into little pieces, and he, he would eat a little bit of the pot as he was traveling. And then he thought, oh boy, you know, if I stay here until the morning, everybody, the, the story will spread everywhere like wildfire, and I'll get a lot of respect people will start showing me respect and that will be a problem. I have a mission to, to do. It will be a difficulty for my mission. So he just leaves in the middle of the night. Uh, but the story spread anyway and even when he got to Jagannath Puri the story was still there. But the devotee is not interested in getting material respect for his activities. Materially speaking the reason that we long for material respect and the reason we get so upset when we don't get material respect. Although we deny it. We say, no, no, I'm not interested in respect. But if people slight us even slightly, <laughs> if they slightly slight us, we become fearful, we become angry. Uh, people can go on for years being uh, upset and uh, about not being properly respected. Right? Uh, Vrtvi Hari Prabhu, who, who runs ISKCON Resolve, who does mediation in ISKCON, he was giving a report to the GBC one year when I was there, and he said that uh, ISKCON Resolve had been able to resolve all of the problems brought to it except for two problems, which were very much based on insults. So where the people involved had felt heavily insulted, and therefore they were not willing to resolve their differences. So the reason that we get so 
offended and that we so much want respect is rooted in biology. As I've said many times before, we are social animals, we are herd animals, and if we're not respected by our social group, then biologically we are at risk of starvation. We're at risk of being picked off by a predator. <laughs> you know, if, if you're a horse in a herd of horses and the other horses don't like you, they don't respect you, they won't protect you, they won't make sure you're fed, you'll be alone and you'll be very vulnerable. So as long as we identify with this body, as long as we identify with our biological mass, <laughs> our bones and blood and so forth, we are going to be longing for respect. And what we need to do, if we want to be happy, is kind of move back from that and say, the longing for respect is natural, biologically, but I am not a biological being. I can remember that Yogacchema Vahamyaham, Krishna is taking care of me, not my society, not my country, ostensibly that it may appear that I'm being taken care of by my family, my society, my country, but actually I'm being taken care of by Krishna. I'm a spiritual being. And I actually can't be harmed. I can't starve. <laughs> I can't be hurt in any way. And so this fear and desperation that leads me to want respect for my activities is really part of the illusion, and I, I don't need to buy into it. You know, when, when the mind is getting all upset with all of its stories about how people have insulted us and how people have betrayed us and how, you know, all these victim stories, uh, I don't have to buy into it. I can say, you know, well, yeah, that's natural for a biological being, but I'm not a biological being. I'm not, I'm not this body. I'm not part of the society. And I, I don't need to be a slave to this. I just don't need to. I mean, I remember as a very, very new in the practice of Krishna consciousness, so my father was very supportive of my taking up Krishna consciousness, but my mother was not. Now, my mother was actually very antagonistic for about 10 years. So I'd been practicing Krishna consciousness for, I think, about two or three years at this time. And I felt very upset by something my mother said or did. I don't remember the details anymore. And all of a sudden, just Super Soul gave me the intelligence. Every, every entity, every human being has to be attached to their mother because biologically a little baby can't live without its mother. A little baby is dependent on the mother's body for, for sustenance. And so it's wired into us that we care about whether or not our mother is pleased with us. That our mother's pleasure or displeasure uh, on our mother's pleasure or displeasure hangs our very survival when we're young babies. And so therefore there's this wiring in the body, just like there's many birds that uh, they imprint on the first large moving object they see after they hatch out of the egg. And, and there's instances of birds imprinting onto people and thinking that, you know, the, the person, <laughs> their caregiver, the zookeeper or whatever, is their mother. And runs into some problems because of that. Anyway, I thought this is a, a biological function of the Lord's kindness so that we survive when we're one, two, and three years old. Uh, but I'm not one, and two, and three years old anymore. And I don't need this. I don't need to be dependent on my mother's pleasure or displeasure anymore. 
And in any case, I'm not a biological being. And as soon as I thought that, that was just this huge relief that I didn't have to carry around all this anxiety or, or blame of my mother or whatever, or shame and guilt and whatever I was carrying around with me. I didn't need to hold on to it. It wasn't, it wasn't serving me. It wasn't necessary. And just see it like that. So our desire for to be respected is, to be respected is very deep-rooted. It's really a very deep-rooted thing. It's, it's very, very difficult to deal with. But it is the key thing, one of the two key things that Mahaprabhu gives if we're going to be always engaged in worshipping the Lord. Because this desire for respect is one going to be most likely the biggest thing that distracts us. It's going to be much more distracting, and that's why Prabhupada goes into a whole explanation at the end of this purport. That's going to be much more distracting than my need to sleep or my need to eat. So he should, uh, next one, he should be certain that Krishna will bestow his mercy upon him, Ashabandaha. So this is a tough one, too. I think that, you know, most of us, as we progress in our practice of devotional life, we start to see our fallen nature much more honestly than we do at the beginning. Materialistic people generally think they're much better than they are, or they're in some kind of depressed tamagun state. But generally, they have a, and even that depressed state is just the flip side of pride. So we tend to have this, this strong pride. And when we take up devotional life, that pride starts getting cut, you know, we start to see, whoa, I'm really fallen. And uh, or we may also fall into this kind of tamagun that, you know, I'm, I'm so fallen that there's no way the Lord is going to give me mercy. There's no way the Lord is ever going to accept me. But one of the good qualities of, this, of the devotee is even though I am so fallen, even though I don't come up to the standard in so many ways or in every way, or I never come up to any standard in anything, uh, still the Lord loves me. Still the Lord loves me. The Lord loves me like uh, parents love a child. You know, a little child has so many faults, and the, the parents still love them. Right? I give the example of, of one of my grandsons when he was two, and his nose was running, had a cold, and he was wiping his nose on his arms, so his arms were covered with dried up mucus, and he was wiping his nose on his clothes. And, I mean, it was just a mess. His clothes were covered with dried mucus. His arms were covered with dried mucus. But his parents still loved him. Now, they, they wanted to wash his arms before they picked him up. But they still loved him. They didn't, they didn't decrease in their love for him, my little great-grandson, who's one, you know. And so he's eating pasta with tomato sauce, and he's just covered, you know, he's just covered with tomato sauce. But his parents still love him. It's not that they don't love him anymore. You know, if he picks up a spoon with some rice and he, gets, he can get two grains into his mouth, the parents get all excited. Look at that. He put two grains in his mouth. They, they're not worried about the 20 grains that went all over the place. So Krishna's like that with us. He's, he's very kind with us. That's not an excuse to do all kinds of nonsense. But the point is that we have this firm conviction. The Lord will give me his mercy. The Lord will accept me. Always be very eager to serve the Lord faithfully. Samut kanta. So, to be, not only not to waste time, but to serve with faith, to serve with love, to have a, an attitude, they say, of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. To, and be very eager. You know, to be, wow, 
I can do something for the Lord. I'm so fortunate. I can do something for the Lord. And to be faithful, to be responsible, right? So we have some responsibilities. Uh, just like I'm very fortunate to be taking care of Tulsi Devi here, and there's this one of the um, devotees is assisting me. So he has some days when he's supposed to be spraying Tulsi's, and it's, you know, and, and I have to keep up on it. Well, is this your day to spray Tulsi? And then taking care of the, you know, it's nice when you have people that just do it, right? That you just okay, every Tuesday and Saturday you're going to be spraying all the Tulsi's, and then you just look and you oh there there's the person doing that. So to be very faithful like that. If we're supposed to, you know, cook an offering for the deities every Thursday, we do that. Or if we have deities in our home, we take we serve them every day. We have our japa beads, we chant on them every day. We're faithful, we're, we're dependable. Mm-hmm. And eager to be faithful. Now, oh, i got to chant my rants. Oh, i got to cook. Um, oh, i get got to chant my rants. I get, to, I get to cook. The wise man is always very eager to glorify the Lord by chanting and hearing. Nama gane sadaruchi, to have to have a taste for the name, to have a taste for the glorification uh, of the Lord, to have a taste to hear about, oh, I get to hear about Krishna, oh, wow, oh, I get to talk about Krishna, I get to think about Krishna. And always eager to describe the transcendental qualities of the Lord, ashakti stad gunak yante, gunak, gunak yane, ashakti, to be attached, so we have this ruchi and ashakti, so, just that this is my happiness is hearing about the Lord, talking about the Lord, right? In this world, we're, we're always eager to hear and talk about other people, you know. It wasn't that long ago that everybody was talking about Donald Trump. Thank God that's over. Now everybody's talking about British royalty. You know, there'll be somebody else, this movie star, and that athlete, and this thing. Everybody's talking about a virus. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, or something. And people are very eager to talk about this and that and the other thing. Uh, but we should be very eager to hear and talk about Krishna. Yes. And attracted to those places where the Lord had his pastime, Pritis Tadvasanti Stale. Pritis is to be dear. Tadvasanti, live Stale, the place where the Lord lived. And. Of course, in one sense, this means the places in like Vrindavan and Mayapur and the places where the Lord had his pastimes that we can visit, that we should be very attached to. But it also means to setting up a Lilistan in our own domicile. You know, to have the... There's one uh, man who does a lot of construction work here at the temple for the devotees, and he was saying, one thing I notice is in everyone's house or apartment, everyone has to have a shrine. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you know, to make a place where here's here's Krishna's pastime place, and to be attached to it, to have, to have it be dear to one, where we take care of it, we keep it clean, you know, not just that you stick your deities on a shelf and you know you use them as your stamping out karma machine for your food, but you actually that their place is very dear. Like we usually have my place is very dear where I was born, you know, where I did where I went to high school. You know, where I went swimming in the summer, where my father took me here, my mother took me here, my sister took me here. So usually our places are very dear to us, uh, but we should have the Krishna's places are very dear to us. 
And as we develop these qualities, then more and more we will use our very short human life properly. And as we use our very short human life properly, we will develop these qualities. And in that way, our life becomes perfect. So we have a little bit of time for questions, discussions, additions, subtractions. Yes. I have a question. Yes. At the beginning, Prabhupada mentions about an advanced devotee who, whimsically, um, attempts to surrender, and then he mentions him as a Mahatma. He says also such a Mahatma. Mm. So, uh, how is that the surrender is whimsical, and in the other hand, he is a Mahatma? Well, he's spent many bursts at whimsical attempts, and, and but he's trying. So this is a, a wise person who's trying to surrender, and for many lifetimes he just does things kind of whimsically and finally gets it together. How merciful. <laughs> yeah, that we finally get it together. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, um, you've been you've been talking about how Krishna is kind, yes, and loves us in spite of our imperfections. Yes. Um, sometimes I find Krishna is rather foreboding and um, like you know, um, I'm always way, way short of the mark. That he's a little, you could say, demanding of um, of full surrender. And so, what about that? Like, you know, even though, like you're saying, he's so kind, how do we always feel that, that he's kind and, and benevolent and, uh, and accepting and loving, even in spite, you know, like, we could feel kind of guilty that we're, like you said, we realize that we're fallen, and, um, and, not feeling lovable by Krishna, you could say. Well, a good parent, a good teacher, or even a friend will not tolerate bad behavior. You know, the good father or mother will say to the child, hey, go apologize. Give your brother back the toy. You know, they may be stern. Or even a friend may say, hey, you know, when, when you said that the other day, it really hurt my feelings. It really upset me. You know, that's part of a relationship. But it's in the context of love. It's not like, when you really hurt my feelings, I'm not going to talk to you again. It's, you know, because we have a relationship of love, I'm able to say to you, hey, this is no good. And sometimes it may be very strong, you know. Sometimes one may say to one's husband, one's wife, one's friend, one's child, whatever, hey, this is really disturbing. It, you know, I felt really upset. This hurts. And it may be something like, you know, when you, when you put the measuring cups in the dishwasher, the dishwashing detergent takes all the paint off of them, and then I can't tell where the measurements are anymore. You know, I've asked you not to put them in the dishwasher. Please don't put them in the dishwasher. 
they can be, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you don't put on your shoes when you walk on the deck, then when you walk inside, you're bringing all the dirt inside. Please wear your shoes on the deck. I mean, it can be something like that, and it can be just like, you know, hey, when you, when you say that about my cooking, then I feel bad. So Krishna, it's, it's not that because Krishna is loving and accepting that he's insipid. And he's just like, oh, sure, whatever you want to do, yatama tatipat. But it's not that we're supposed to just feel guilty. You know, if I say to somebody, hey, look, I expected you to come and do your service on t- Tuesdays in the mornings, and here it is already Wednesday afternoon, and you still haven't done it. I don't want the other person to respond by going, oh, I'm just so terrible. I'm so fallen. I'm so horrible. How will you ever love me? I'm useless. I don't want that kind of a response. In, in fact, that kind of a response is somewhat infuriating. It's, it's, it's like, wait a minute, you know, that wasn't what this was about. I'm informing you of this in the context of a relationship of trust so that you can fix the thing. Not so that you can become self-absorbed with how low you are. So, you know, guilt and shame is useful for a couple minutes to, to motivate us. But hanging on to guilt and shame is very detrimental. It becomes tamagun. And it just it becomes a very self-absorbed ego in Thomas. Oh, Krishna doesn't love me. It's very manipulative also. You know, if, I, if somebody corrects me and my response is, Oh, you don't love me. You're never going to love me. You're never going to accept me. I'm so low. What do I want? I want the person to say, Oh, it's okay. Actually, I love you. Actually, you're wonderful. It's, it's manipulative. I'm trying to use the other person to meet my emotional needs. Whereas really what I should say is, oh, well, well, I messed up, huh? Ouch, I'm sorry. I can understand I messed up in this way, in this way, in this way. And I will do my best to rectify it. And then it's fine. Then it's fine. A normal person, I mean, some people are weird, but a normal person will respond, oh, thank you for understanding. And then we go on, and then they don't even remember about it an hour from now. It just becomes inconsequential. Is that all right? Great. Great. Thanks so much. Anybody else? I got a question. On the first uh, sentence, uh, my dear Lord, uh, any learned person knows that unless he worships you. So I was thinking that, what's it mean by worship? Because a lot of times we think of it's a ritual or um, it, it's some um, uh, external activity. But I, I noticed in the purport, Prabhupada uses Kirtanya uh, Sadahari. He brings it back. So I was wondering if what, uh, maybe you could expand on worship you, what, uh, what's expected on that idea. Mm. Well, in the Sanskrit, we have archati, archana, which, which means worship, uh, archana. But uh, any of the processes of bhakti, in one sense, are a kind of worship. And of course, uh, we're exhorted, especially in Kali Yuga, that the most important kind of worship is kirtan. 
but to be connect to be connected with the Lord in some way of love and some way of respect. Whether it's whether we're worshiping him by cleaning the floor, which is an expansion of Balaram, whether we're worshiping him by going to holy places, whether we're worshiping him by taking care of the living entities in order to please him. Whether we're worshiping him by brushing our teeth in order to please him. I mean, every moment should be some form of worship of him. It's not, it's not just waving the ghee lamp, although we should also wave ghee lamps. But when, in the purple, when he says, Kirtanya Sadahari. Yes. Trumpa was really, um, had a lot of faith in the whole name. Indeed. And that was just part Anyway, that, that's something I thought of. But also, when you're um, talking about the pride and the social creatures, I was noticing the way that Prabhupada defined humility in the process of knowledge, mm. of not being anxious, to have the satisfaction of that's being right. honored by others. That's and right. I was thinking, well, and he says it's not one of the elements of the 20, interaction of the 24 elements, that's but right. actually how they come out of it. Exactly. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Because in the interaction of the 24 elements, that kind of humility is almost impossible. It's really almost impossible. If we're absorbed in the 24 elements, we will not be able psychologically to give up any desire to be respected by others. Now, we might have a very small group that we care about, you know. Maybe we have a small group of rebels who don't care about respect from society in general and we just care about respect among ourselves. But to just give up any caring for whether or not any other group of humans respects us and honors us, it's not possible within the 24 elements. That's a fact. It, it's not. Is that something like fidelity or chastity to... Krishna's his his relationship with me is primary, so all the other ones are kind of like uh, a deviation in the chastity. The, the, there are many Christian mystics who explain it like that, and it certainly makes some sense that you know if your husband loves you, why do you care if other men find you attractive? Why is it is it of interest to you? You know, it's kind of strange. If you if you want all the men on the street to turn around and look at you, your husband's going to be like, you know, why are you trying to attract all the other men? So there there is something to that. And, uh, of course, Prabhupada explains it like that in terms of Akura, where he said that Akura wanted Krishna to recognize him, and he said if one is not trying to be recognized by Krishna, his whole life is condemned. So because I know that Krishna loves me and Krishna respects me, therefore I'm not so interested in being respected and loved and admired by all of his creatures. I was thinking of it uh, more like the, um, the, and I call it an assumed context, when people, they identify, when they say, how are you, for instance? They expect you to respond back, well, my back hurts a little today, I gotta say, that you're the body. But if you don't respond back in kind, but you meant you stay in your, uh, if you're Krishna conscious at the time, um, how are you today has to do with how's your relationship with Krishna today. 
So it, it, um, you have to go into that other context of the material uh, conditioning to, um, to to set up the the, the context of you to, to get some some honor when it's actually seeing Krishna's energies doing everything. Mm, that's very well put. Thank you. Thank you. That's very insightful and very helpful. I was going to say I appreciated how you were saying this. Oops, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I appreciate appreciate how you pointed out not wasting time doesn't mean that they're like, it takes all the time, I'm going to do something more passion, but rather it's the there's a time for everything, living reflection and uh, rejuvenation, etc. So I was just going to say that uh, even in ancient or uh, primitive cultures, here in Hawaii, there's something called the uh, Makiki. I'm sorry, Makiki season, and that's basically from October to November, or through uh, February and March. And uh, the Hawaiians traditionally, it you know rains more and it's a little bit cooler. And they're more reflective, spend more time at home, and so they do it kind of like their type of meditation. It's just like this natural thing that developed for them where they're trying to please their gods and they're more grateful and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting, even in Hawaiian culture. I don't know if anybody knows that. Yeah, well, any, any culture that hasn't divorced itself from the natural world and what Robert would call the laws of nature understand this principle. You know, we thought the idea of Chaturmasya was that the, the traveling mendicants who were always preaching, they took a break for four months. <laughs> you know, they stayed in one place for four months and took a break and were more interested in their internal practices. This is the idea of the codices and, and so forth. That there's, or, you know, every culture has something like that. Once a week, twice a month, something where you, you, you withdraw. Or the whole concept of having a morning and evening program. You know, that there's a time when you're not running around doing things. When you're engaged in meditation, you're engaged in study, you're, you're, more, you're more quiet. So that, that kind of idea of variety. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Shiva Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Thank you.